Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. When you think about light, it's really amazing. Did you know that the light that we see from our sun actually left the sun 10 minutes before we see it? Scientists tell us that there's actually no light in outer space, but the objects in space, we see them when the light actually bounces off of them and comes back to us. I think we all know that life on our planet doesn't exist without light from our sun. Light really is amazing when you think about it. Sometimes we use aspects of light to describe a person. Maybe we might say, they light up a room. In the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, God told the people of Israel that they were to be a light to all nations. When I think about light, I think about my friend, Pastor Remy. Pastor Remy is the pastor of the church in cholera, Haiti. For many years, Pastor Remy and his church have met in a makeshift structure of sticks and scrap metal. It's this really old little church. Literally for 20 years, they met in this place with dirt floor. Through the generosity of donors to our ministry, Hope Rising Haiti, we were blessed with the opportunity to partner with Pastor Remy and his church to build a new church building. Well, a few years ago, our team had the privilege of dedicating this new church building for Pastor Remy and the church in cholera. It was an awesome day. Uh, The building's built up on a hill, and it can be seen from all around. So for the dedication service, I shared these words that Jesus said from John chapter 8, verse 12, where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. You see, Jesus taught that he came to earth to illuminate the dark places in our lives and in the world. Jesus shines his light on things that are wrong to show us what's right and what's good and what's loving. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's also making a connection to his deity, that Jesus is God in flesh, the Son of God. Later in John chapter 9, verse 5, Jesus said, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. There's that statement again. So just as scientists tell us that nothing can be seen without light from our sun, so it's also true that the light of Jesus Christ reveals our purpose. It reveals love and meaning in our lives. So when Jesus proclaims in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world, Jesus is really saying, I am the source that reveals everything else. You know, people long to know if they matter, right? Uh, uh, people are searching for significance and, and meaning and purpose. We all are. And Jesus says, I am the only one who can reveal purpose. Jesus says, I am that light. I illuminate your soul. Uh, Maybe to better understand this, for a brief moment, I'm going to ask you maybe to do something kind of strange. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Right where you are, right where you're watching this, if you just close your eyes for just a minute. And keep them closed. I mean, for real. As your eyes are closed, there's only darkness. And this is the condition of our hearts, spiritually speaking, apart from Jesus Christ. It's dark. We cannot see. And this is the sad reality um, 
for people that are not Christians, spiritually speaking. This is a picture of spiritual darkness. Now, go ahead and open your eyes. Right now, when you open your eyes, it is only the light that reveals everything that you see. In other words, without light, you cannot see anything. So without Jesus Christ, who is the light, who reveals everything else, you cannot see spiritually, and you remain in spiritual darkness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says, God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. And then later in 1 John chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness. He walks around in the darkness. He doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded him. You see, sin is spiritual darkness. It blinds us from seeing the light who is Jesus Christ. Look again at John chapter 8, verse 12. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, listen, listen to this, but will have the light of life. Jesus promises that if we follow him, we will be in his light. Now, friends, this is the essence of Christianity. To follow Jesus is to be in the light. To avoid Jesus is to be in the darkness. This is what it means to be a Christian, is to walk in the light of Jesus Christ. John chapter 3, verse 19 puts it this way. This is the verdict. Light, or Jesus, has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. He says, anyone who loves evil hates the light, and, and here's the, the sadness. Listen to this. And will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what has been done by, for them has been done in the sight of God. Jesus is this light over and over and over, particularly in the book of John, but all throughout the gospel. Jesus is described as the light that illuminates our sin, but also illuminates our purpose, our design, our meaning. If we'll simply just step into the light, who is Jesus Christ, and come into His family and be a part of His kingdom. Now, for many of us, this is kind of easy to understand. I mean, we get it. Jesus is the light. We've read these verses before. Um, as you know, Pastor Chris has uh, been leading us in this U-turn series and teaching us from the sermon that Jesus gave on a mountainside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And the Bible tells us uh, in the Sermon on the Mount that multitudes of people had been flocking to Jesus. They wanted to hear more about Him. They just wanted to be near Him. They didn't maybe even know exactly why they were following Him. There was just something about Jesus that drew them to Him. And in Matthew chapter 5, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught something else about light that's maybe harder to understand. In these verses in John, we've been learning that Jesus is the light, but there's something different that Jesus tells us now in the Sermon on the Mount about light. Maybe it's not that it's harder to understand, maybe it's that it's just harder to put into practice. At least it is for me. Look at these words, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone. Now, wait a second. Didn't we just read again and again in John chapter 8 and John chapter 9 that Jesus is the light of the world? And then now here, 
in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says that you and I are the light of the world. So which one's correct? Is Jesus the light of the world? Or are we the light of the world? The amazing truth of Christianity is that both we're both the light of the world. Jesus is inviting people to be a part of the kingdom of God. As Jesus is the light, so we also are the light. We're the light that reflects Him back to others. We simply are shining back to others the love that we receive Jesus. We're like a mirror. As we receive it from Jesus, His love and His grace, we reflect it back to other people. As Jesus has been teaching the people about his new kingdom, the kingdom of God. He says this kingdom is not of the world. He says it's not going to be ruled by people. And Jesus also said that his kingdom is a new kingdom, and you can only get into it one way, by repentance. By repentance. And as Pastor Chris shared last week, that when we enter Jesus' new kingdom, or this new way of life, we begin to act different. We, we developed, um, as he read last week, a thirst for righteousness. We begin to treat people with love and mercy, and we live out these beatitudes. Look back at verse 15. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone. People light a lamp, he says, they put it on a stand. They don't hide it, and it gives light to everyone. I love the emphasis on the word everyone. Light is for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. Not just the people that we like, not just our family, not just our friends. Jesus will go on to tell us, even for our enemies. Jesus said that we are the light of the world and that we are supposed to give His light to everyone. As He gives it to us, we give it away to others. How great would it be if that was said of us, is that she gives light to everyone or he gives light to everyone. Look at verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus is inviting us to be shiny people, you could say, to reflect his love and his kindness and his hope has anyone ever had a light bulb at your house that has burned out? I'm sure you have. Maybe one of those really annoying high ones up in your ceiling that you can't get to very easy. Well, what do you do when the light goes out? I mean, obviously, you replace the burned out bulb. Why? Because the purpose of a light bulb is to shine. The purpose of light is to shine. The purpose of light is to illuminate things around it. And Jesus emphasizes in verse 16 that Christians are supposed to be shiny people. He says, let your light shine. In the same way that a light bulb has the purpose of shining, so a Christian has the purpose of being shiny, of reflecting Jesus' light and love and grace and mercy to a world that desperately needs it. We are to illuminate the world around us with, he says here in verse 16, good deeds. What are good deeds? The Bible is full of kindness and love and generosity and mercy and grace. You know what they are. And Jesus says, though, we never do these things. We don't do these good deeds to draw attention to ourselves. Catch this. This is really important. But he says, so we point people to our Father in heaven. And this is a really cool thing here in the Sermon on the Mount. Fifteen different times 
Jesus uses the word Father as he talks about God. And it's like Jesus is introducing another aspect of the kingdom of God and reminding us that Jesus is showing us that this new kingdom, this new way of life invites us into an intimacy, a spiritual intimacy that we, it's like we're a child and he's our loving father and he wants us to know that that he loves us like children and we're supposed to love him like a kind father. Once again, we see Jesus inviting us to a new way, a new life. Uh, as the series says, a U-turn, uh, uh, not the way we were doing it, but something new. We have to remember this Jewish culture or the setting that Jesus is giving this sermon. So many people in that day would have wondered if they would have been eligible to enter the Messiah's kingdom. They were all waiting on it. But they wondered, is the Messiah's kingdom for me? Can I be a part of that? It's not really that different than you and me, right? We all struggle with the same thing. We wonder, could God really love me? Do I matter? Can God really forgive me? Friends, yes. One million times, yes. In John chapter 8 and John chapter 9, it tells us that Jesus is the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 says that you and I are the light of the world. So check this out. We are invited by the king of the universe to be image bearers of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus is inviting you and me to be his representatives to a world that desperately needs Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus not only is teaching the incredible great news that we are included in the kingdom of God, but not we're not just included. Now we're a part of that kingdom, and he's sent us out to be promoters of that kingdom. This is an incredible honor, an incredible privilege. We find out that it's when we belong to the family of God, when we're in the kingdom of God, Actually, the Spirit of God lives inside of us, and it is God's Spirit that shines God's love and kindness to those around us. It's not like a hard thing to do. We simply, as I said earlier, we're just a mirror. We're shiny people. We're shining out God's love and grace and mercy to those around us. Now, remember the Jewish culture that Jesus was trying to impact. Many church leaders in Jesus' day had become very selective. They had highly restrictive ideas of who was included in God's kingdom and who was not included. Not that different than our day, I suppose. Now, to illustrate our role as ambassadors and promoters of Jesus' new kingdoms, let's look at a story that Jesus told some church leaders about God's love. Luke chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet, invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Check this out in verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I bought a field and I I have to go see it. Excuse me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Still another, so so excuse me, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. 
Then the master said to his servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in, so that my house will be full. I love this story. Jesus tells these restrictive church leaders that they have gotten it all wrong. God's kingdom is not restrictive. God's kingdom is inclusive. Everyone is invited to God's banquet. Everyone is invited into God's kingdom. Everyone is included in heaven. God wants you there. In verse 16, it says that he invited many guests. The idea here is that everyone is invited. No person is left out. Did you know that? You were not left out. You were invited into God's kingdom. Whoever you are, no matter what you've done, you are invited. But sadly, too many people in our day, Jesus said, they all are are like in Jesus' story. They made all alike begin to make excuses. I mean, and these are just simple excuses. People doesn't, they say, all of a sudden, I just bought a field. I just bought five yoke of oxen. I just got married. That's not true. These are all excuses. Nobody just gets married. You plan for it for months. You don't just make a huge investment and buy a huge chunk of property on a whim. You plan for it. You invest it. In other words, he's saying these are ludicrous excuses. Unbelievably, people refuse to accept the greatest invitation they'll ever receive. The invitation to heaven to join God at His banquet table, to be a part of the family of God, to be known and loved, to be forgiven, and people say no. It's an unbelievable story. But all you have to do is look around and realize people are still doing the same thing. God is inviting everyone to be inclusive. God wants all people to go to heaven, and people all the time make excuses. They say that uh, they don't that, that God is not for them for all kinds of reasons. So in verse 21, it says that the master became angry and he ordered the servants to go out quickly. Uh, the word here in the Greek is to go out with great urgency and bring them in, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And that's just simply including a list of people who wouldn't have ever imagined that they would be included in God's kingdom. In other words, bring those who never feel like they would belong. And don't miss our role in the story. See, we are those servants that get to pass out the invitation. As Christians, we get to play the role of shining the light and sending the invitations. Do we live with a sense of urgency to tell our friends and our neighbors and our family members about Jesus? Look at verse 23. Jesus tells the servants, or the master tells the servants, Go out to the roads, the country lanes, and make them come in. The, the word here, if I understand it correctly in the original language, is compel them to come in or, or, or take whatever means possible. Or, or I like it this way. One scholar puts it this way. He says, don't take no for an answer. I love that. Don't take no for an answer. Why? And then he closes by saying, so that my house will be full. I love this about God. God wants heaven to be full. In Jesus' day, if you received an unexpected invitation, especially an invitation that came from somebody of higher social rank, you were expected to refuse it as a matter of etiquette. Maybe the person would think, I'm hopeless, I would be hopelessly out of place at a party like that. I'll, I'll treasure being asked. Thanks for the invitation, but, but no thank you. I, I, sure, I can't go. I mean, that's not really meant for somebody like me. So 
The master says to the servants, when, when you tell these people this, when you give them this invitation, they're, when they hear this, they're not going to feel worthy. They always feel that way. So you, so you have to let them know, I want each one of them to come to my banquet. I love this about God. God says in verse 23, I want my house to be full. I want every single person to be there. Friends, we're not only included in the kingdom of God, we learn in the Sermon on the Mount, we're actually given the honor of shining Jesus' light and His love to a world that desperately needs it. Our job is to go out with with urgency, to go out quickly, to bring everyone, to use whatever means possible, and to not take no for an answer. It means that we care deeply for our unbelieving friends, that we pray for them, that we share for them, we never give up on them. Friend, there is room for you in God's family. There is nothing that you could ever do that would make God stop loving you. There's nothing that you've ever done that would cancel your invitation to heaven. My wife, Marcy, she's a light. I mean, she proclaims Jesus through prayer, through serving others, through small group Bible studies. For years, we as a family have been praying for our neighbors. And and Marcy loves our neighbors, as I do. And she loves the kids in our neighborhood. Sometimes I'll answer the doorbell and a neighbor kid will be standing there and they'll say, can Marcy play? Uh, She makes dinner for families in our neighborhood who are facing challenging times. So it's no surprise to me when if they have a crisis, they reach out to Marcy. They tell her about it. Even non-believing neighbors of ours. And this always becomes an opportunity for Marcy to share about God's love. I mean, this is just one example of what it means to be a light, to shine Jesus' love. This is our mission, to be shiny people, to take the love that we've received from Jesus and to shine it back to others. We do it by praying for our neighbors. We do it by serving our neighbors and our friends. And we do it by sharing with them when God opens the door for the opportunity. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are the light of the world. And then thank you, God, that you've said to us that we are the light of the world. What an incredibly humbling honor, but honor it is that you've invited us into the kingdom to be a part of the family, and then you've given us a role in the family, that we have meaning and purpose, that we're your ambassadors. We're to shine out your love and mercy and grace and to pass out invitations. God, let us always take it seriously. Use us for your kingdom purposes, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Remember, Jesus is the light of the world, so we also should be a light in our world.